0: The Plumley Pod episode 24 Prepare to lift the lid on all things
1: education not indoctrination your voice of reason for home education The Plumley Pod
0: Hello and welcome to The Plumley Pod I'm your host Sarah Plumley and today I am delighted to be joined by Sharon Smith Sharon is a businesswoman, a former Conservative Party candidate. She's met Boris Johnson, who has today resigned, and she's been interviewed on the Delling Pod and by the one and only Richie Allen from richieallen.co.uk. Welcome to the Plumly Pod, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining me on this glorious, apparently, bye-bye Boris day. not quite sure what to make of that myself. <laughs> um, I'm going to dive in. First of all, if you'd like to comment on Boris Johnson's resignation as it's just happened. That would be awesome. And then I'd also like to know my favourite question. What woke you up?
1: Okay, well, actually, yeah, I don't think that Boris leaving is a good thing. I think all we'll end up is somebody that's probably a whole lot worse, a whole, whole lot worse. Could be Jeremy Hunt, who's uh, married to somebody who's part of the CCP or could be anybody really, but I think we're sort of guaranteed it's going to be somebody a lot worse than Boris. And as for what woke me up, um, I was, up until March the 23rd, 2020, I was what would be classed as a normie. I was part of the Conservative Party. I was a Conservative Party candidate. Um, I was absolutely committed to the Tory party. I'd met Boris lots of times. I'd campaigned for him. I'd been on all sorts of campaigns. And uh, yeah, and I thought he was amazing and brilliant. And on the 23rd of March, 2020, we had this announcement about lockdown and, well, um, I've met this man quite a few times and I knew lots of people who knew him. As part of my hobby, I go hunting. Maybe that's a controversial subject, but um, I go hunting and he's well known within those sort of circles as the sort of man that you invite to your party. He's the life and soul of the party. And the quote that everybody always said about him was, "You invite Boris to your party, he will be the life and soul of your party, but don't take your eye off your daughters." <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, so so yeah, so so that's Boris Johnson, bit of an alcoholic and a perv, basically, is what what we can say about that. But you know, a good laugh, likes party, great. So on the twenty third of March, because I, I knew quite a lot about this man. I thought he'd be great to get us out of Brexit. That's why I campaigned for him. He gets along with people really easily. You know, he's one of those people that you meet him and he just makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. You know, he really is that charismatic, really. But, you know, he's not overly bright. I never thought he was bright, but I thought he'd get on, he'd get us a good deal, people would like him. And the 23rd of March, he stood up and said that we were going to lock down and We were going to have to stay at home and do all this absolute nonsense. And I knew straight away that this is just nonsense because there is no way that somebody that likes going out partying and chasing women and likes being free and easy, there is absolutely no way that he would do that off his own back. There is no way. Because, you know, I would have thought if you'd asked me what he would have done is he would have said to people, look, this is the information. This is what we believe about this. And, you know, you all need to make your own choices as to how you move forward. And I would have thought that he would have been more free and easy about it. And also then he got ill. So from that moment, I resigned that day, the 23rd of March. And then to make things even worse, he supposedly got ill. But I know he must be the only person in the world that went into intensive care and came out fatter than when he went in. So I've never heard of anyone going into intensive care and being fed pies. So yeah, that I was completely awake at that point. And then yeah. And then I started sort of looking around. I went to one of the first protests in Hyde Park and the rest is history really.
0: I am so with you on the in-intensive-care thing. In fact, that's what we clicked <laughs> over quite early on because I was the only other person that was rude enough to say, he's got fatter. He, he, look
1: at him. Look at him. He's he's enormous. How has he got
0: fatter? I was, I was literally
1: the same you're person. You're the same as me. Nobody else noticed. Even James Dellingpole didn't notice until I mentioned it that Boris came out fatter. How can you come out of intensive care fatter? It's not possible. No, it's, it's completely... You've got a really bad respiratory virus that apparently nearly kills you, and you come out a whole load fatter than you went in. Um, yeah,
0: I also think he perhaps looked better when he came out than he went
1: in. <laughs> and that's
0: not, also not usual because they don't keep you in intensive care any longer than they have to. Straight away, I was like, that's wrong. But I was I was awake prior to that. The pandemic didn't wake me up. I was sadly already awake quite a long time ago, but I I couldn't believe that other people couldn't see it. And then when I heard you say it, I was like, yes, somebody else is, <laughs> can see what I can... It's, it's, it's in front of your faces. Why can nobody yeah, say yeah. that? And I was completely... I was so relieved that... So, I'm like, see, see, she says the same, see. And I was telling my husband, because he wasn't sure either, it might, maybe it's a bloke thing uh, my husband couldn't see. He's been awake probably longer than David Icke. Blessing, my husband. I think my husband invented the tinfoil hat. But anyway, <laughs> he's been awake for about three decades. It took me a lot longer to get to here, but he, he he couldn't see it. Maybe it's just a guy thing now, but I could straight away you could see it in his face, his overall hulk. I was like, there's no way yeah. he's been in intensive care uh, like they say he has been. Not just not, not a chance in hell. But that didn't, that wasn't the only kind of thing that like you, when he's giving it the large one about locking the country down. Isn't that the antithesis of what the Conservative
1: Party is supposed to be about? Exactly. So, you know, I was always into... I I sat through dinners with Jacob Rees-Mogg twice. Twice sat through a dinner with Jacob Rees-Mogg, who did a spit-after-dinner speech about how we were going to get rid of the nanny state. This was literally months before the lockdown, you know? It was... As we were coming up to that general election... There was a lot of after dinner speeches being done. And like I said, there was two with Jacob Rees Mogg that I remember really clearly. And we were all cheering about how they were going to get rid of the nanny state. That it's a general election, Tories would get in, they were going to actually get rid of the nanny state. I heard that from Boris and I heard it from Jacob Rees Mogg. Whatever happened to that? That seems to have been forgotten. (laughs) And then they just brought in the nanny state even more. So, yeah, that was it. You know, 23rd of March, I was done as a Tory. But now I realise the whole thing was just nonsense. And I don't actually believe there was ever any such thing as democracy anyway. But I was completely a believer and I was part of all of that right up until that point. And then I realised it was just complete nonsense, absolute nonsense. But yes, it's completely against what I thought were traditional Tory values. Absolutely against
0: it. To dig into that, that's really interesting, the part about you don't believe that we've ever been in a democracy because that's something that I've recently concluded as well, that I, I don't think, I'm in my late 30s now and I actually don't think I've ever lived in a genuine democracy. Can you elaborate a little bit on why you think that? I, I haven't yeah. heard this from you before, that's
1: all. Okay, okay. so uh, yeah, oh gosh, I'm, I'm older than you, I'm 50. Um, so, but I don't think we ever had a democracy either, you know, I think it's just an illusion. It's just there for people to think that we've got a choice. So, you know, years ago, you would have had all the, we were just given a, a monarch. That was at one part point we had a monarch. And then obviously the the general public or whatever you want to call us, the plebs, maybe they call us, I don't know, whatever we are, we're getting a bit fed up with that. So they thought obviously, oh, well, we'll let them think there's a choice. And so now I think that's really clear. So democracy democracy was brought in as a big illusion, but it doesn't actually matter who we vote for. The agenda is the same. So it makes no difference. And now it seems really obvious the way things are. You, you realize, and like today, Boris Johnson going, it makes no difference. We could have a general election. We could have Keir Starmer or that awful Angela Rayner woman. And it would it be exactly the same anyway. The agenda will be the same. I just think under Boris Johnson, at least, I don't know, at least he was more interested in chasing women and getting drunks and um, locking down the country. So I, I don't think that the agenda played out as well as it was planned to do in the UK because of uh, Boris Johnson, because he's such a bumbling fool. He just couldn't keep on track, which is great really for us. But I think the plan was for us to be like New Zealand because she's she's more on track than Boris Johnson. Jacinda the teeth. She's more Jacinda Ardern, yeah. so, the Skeletor so, woman. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so you know, she she's female. She clearly isn't. You know, she doesn't have her eyes turned by some woman flushing their knickers in Parliament. And and Boris Johnson, he just he just he can't keep on track because he's just too busy chasing women and getting drunk, which I actually think if we're going to have a prime minister, that's probably as good as we're going to get, really, because anyone that's intelligent and a bit more on with the agenda, they're just going to further it quicker and harder. So yeah, I think we're, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. Is it
0: possible now, I just better declare here that I'm not a Boris Johnson fan, particularly. I never was. I never... Uh, I hate him. I it. never no, I probably hate him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I no. loved
1: him, but, <laughs> but, but, not, but yeah, you know, I, I hate him now, but I didn't then. But yeah. I hate him in the fact that I I campaigned for him and put him where he was and he's not the man that I thought he was. But on reflection... Well, what
0: are we going to get instead? I would agree with that 100. percent And I don't. I think you're one. Again, I think you're one of the few people who's saying that. I haven't heard a lot of this. I've heard a lot of yeah, yeah. Boris is gone. Woohoo! It's that? Hang on a minute. Wait a minute. Is it possible? Is it just possible that Boris has actually, whether consciously or inadvertently, be it either A or B or C or D. Is it just possible that he's actually spared us from the worst of this tyrannical madness that the likes of uh, Jacinda Ardern and that filthy beast uh, Justin Trudeau, as I call him, Justin Trudeau, yeah. in Canada has unleashed on on the on the poor people of of uh, what, what should we call it, Slavelandia. Um Like I, I know, it's horrendous. Is it possible that Boris has actually protected Britain somewhat from the madness?
1: Yeah, I I would definitely say that because he's such a bumbling fool, and he just can't he just can't keep it up. You can tell, you know his his whole demeanor, the way he's been bred, maybe is that he just is it's in him to get along with people, and he, he's just not he's just it just hasn't got that evilness in him. Although I'm not defending him because I actually think he is advancing the agenda. There's no doubt about it, but it's not it's not gone so fast as maybe planned. So, yeah, so, he had reckon, to go. Do you reckon he's, like, resisted his string puller or his handler? Is, is his problem well, Do you know what? I wouldn't even be surprised if he didn't even realise he had a handler. Yeah, brilliant. Because he's not, he isn't the most intelligent person in the world. I would think if there is a handler, it's Carrie. Yeah, agreed. Um, and she's some blonde that was going to turn, you know, it doesn't really matter, you can tell... You know, she's a blonde. She flashed her knickers at him. That would have been enough. And she'll influence him no problem. So I'm sure if you actually spoke to him, there is a chance that he probably doesn't even know that, he's a, that there is an agenda, to be fair. You know, people think these people are evil. You know, there's him, there's Matt Hancock, there's all of them. But if you meet them, they're not overly bright people. They're not clever. They've been through the system. So I wouldn't be surprised if they actually didn't know. It's no defence, but you know, they're there as useful idiots, aren't they? I think so. And lots
0: of people speculate as to whether the bumbling clown fool is thing is an act with Boris or not. What, but it sounds like you've actually got some real experience of Boris. What, what would you say to
1: that? Uh, definitely, the bumbling fool. There's <laughs> <Does> no, <laughs> as long as he ways about it. He's not clever enough for that. <laughs> But, you know, that's the other thing, you know, okay, I wasn't awake pre that and I I thought it'd be great for Brexit. But I did used to think what, you know, you'd sit in a room with these people and you should feel in awe of them. And I've done it all my life because my hobby also makes me mix with these type of people. And you think because I'm working class, you would think that I should be in awe of them. And they've all gone through the system more than me. They've done, you know, degrees or whatever. They've been to Eton. And when you sit in a room with them, they're not very bright. And you think, wow, how did these people get into this position? And I've had to really push all my life. And I think, and I'm here thinking, you lot are too stupid for me to even speak to half the time, you know? And you think, this is really odd. And that's not me thinking that I'm great, but...
0: They're not bright people. So It's amazing to hear you say that because um, from the limited experience I have of meeting um, politicians, I would have to agree with you. I think the exception perhaps was Martin Bell. I had, the course, to meet Martin Bell in the 1990s, uh, but he was from journalism. He was like a sort of bona fide, when we used to have those things called journalists. That was back in the days where <laughs> when honest people tried to hold power to account, boys and girls. Uh, back in the dark ages, when we had things called journalists, I think that perhaps that saved Martin Bell. Perhaps that made him different. Uh, but he was perhaps, perhaps I got fooled by meeting the exception rather than the rule, maybe. I don't know. I don't have very b- big experience of meeting MPs, but I, I do listen to the garbage that comes out of their mouths. And, you know, as a mathematics teacher, I listen to Diane Abacus, oh, sorry, Diane Abbott, and think, uh, wow, she does need an abacus. Um, <laughs> that woman, bless her. Um, I Actually, here's here's a, something to back up what you've been saying about Boris. My husband this morning, when I said, oh, Boris has gone, he's resigned, he's like, what, what? He's like, you're joking, you're joking, because he's terrified of Liz Truss getting in. Um, because oh, yeah. uh, she's, uh, well, I... I, I don't even think I should speak. I don't think I should comment on Liz Truss, other than to say that uh, she's described by the UK column as a kind of head girl type. But I have to say, um, she wouldn't have even been head girl in my local comprehensive, let alone a you know a decent school. So uh, I don't. I have nothing good to say about uh, that woman. And my husband is oh, he's he's terrified of Liz Truss. He was quite happy with the uh, the blonde. Um, Overweight, what, what else? Alcoholic, um, la- uh, ladies' man. He, he, he viewed <laughs> Boris as a placeholder, which was safer than some <laughs> of the uh, the more wef options. The the World Economic Forum nutters. Yeah, uh, but Liz Truss. Oh, he's terrified of her getting in. It's like um, a, a a really cheap knockoff um, Margaret Thatcher, and that's probably being extremely disrespectful to Margaret Thatcher. she's but if uh, you
1: think if you. If you knew Liz Truss in school, though, she wouldn't have been anybody. The brightest person, would she, in your school? No, she wouldn't have been the brightest person in my comprehensive,
0: let alone any of the top schools. No, well, in the I country. went to a
1: comprehensive, and no, she wouldn't have even been in the, the in our in our A stream. So, how did these people get to this position? But then, obviously, when you realise there is an agenda, you realise that the school system. It supports those people because that was the same thing when I was in school. I I felt that school was boring. I'd, I I I'd, I found exams easy, really super super easy, and yet they just had us sat there doing mindless shit, like you know, just uh, writing in a book for ages, copying stuff out of a, a textbook for hours, or you know, while the teacher marked, did their marking. Well, let me just check the so parents got that one. Sorry, sorry,
0: Sharon, you're absolutely spot on. I just wanted to make sure the parents okay. picked that up. Because do you know what? That's exactly what they missed. Parents are very busy. They're very stressed. Uh, they've got lots of things on. But do you know what? A lot of our lessons were sat there copying out of textbooks. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I know you might have forgotten because you tend to remember the fonder parts of your school days, but you actually spent the lion's share of your time copying out of textbooks, word for word word. Now, why is that, ladies and gentlemen? Why is that? And is that what you want your son and daughters to be doing? Because that's what they're doing in school now. They might be copying off the interactive whiteboard, or they might be copying off a worksheet rather than a textbook in some cases these days. But they all they are doing for a, a large proportion of their school time is copying garbage out of textbooks. Some of these books talk about climate change, things that don't even really exist. And that's what your yeah. children are doing in the school. Sorry, Sharon, take that take no, over. Fine.
1: No, it's all right. Well, I, I've, I got heard on the radio yesterday that actually climate change is going to be made a GCSE in Ireland and they're going to bring it into the UK. Well, why would you want to learn about something that hasn't even been proven? That just doesn't make sense. But yeah, when I was in school, I'd just sit there for... Ages, days on it, you know, and I just sit there and think, well, I like horses. At that point, I had a pony. Why would I want to be sat in a school, you know, doing this utter nonsense when I could pass exams really easily anyway? And I'd rather be out playing with my pony and my dog out in the fresh air. Didn't want to be sat in a classroom because I I could remember this nonsense anyway. and And that's what I did. I just, viewed out the the craps that they would made me read out out the textbooks and my mum would buy those because I used to bunk off school a lot to be fair and nobody really challenged me a lot because I was good at passing exams so so the, so apparently that was fine and my mum would buy what in those days they were called let's revision books and you could buy them from WH Smith and so my mum used to buy all of those and I'd cram those Before the exams, and then spew it all out, and then forget about it about a week later, and that'd get you through school. But but that only gets you so far, and then you you realise that actually the kids that are more I don't mean to say stupid, but the ones that maybe aren't so academically bright, they did better in school. Eventually, because I just couldn't stand the the nonsense any longer. You know, I needed to be out in real life. Starting a business, working, and playing with my pony because actually playing with your pony is actually a fun thing to do, and you do learn life skills while you're doing those types of things. So really, you know, kids should be—I would hope—doing things that interest them and that are getting them out in the fresh air and making them healthy and making them learn social skills. And you know, that's what I would have preferred when I was in school. So yeah, it was a complete waste of time, to be honest, but there you go and it goes
0: to show that i mean you're a successful businesswoman in your own right and it goes to show that, that you don't need what you're being taught what's being rammed down your throat in schools to be successful in life and to be happy and to be um, someone who is independent yeah you have your you don't have a boss that's telling you what to do or where to be or what to wear or how to speak or how to think or you 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 are independent you're self-reliant you're responsible I just think these things are so much more valuable. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not going on a massive education bashing. I'm not education bashing. I'm school bashing because school and education yeah. are not the same thing whatsoever. I, I, I'll yeah. wager that you learned a hell of a lot about business and life outside the four walls of school rather than inside. What, what, what well, would you say? I think, I think bunking
1: off school actually taught me quite a lot as well because I used to... <laughs> because <laughs> my mum didn't give me any money so you had to sometimes you'd know that your mum would be at home so you had to stay out all day because you didn't want to go to school so you get your pony and do something and then you don't think all right I've got to do something else so I used to actually get the train and I'd like after I'd have no money on me so I'd have to go to the guard because this is in the days before you know people were all into all this safety stuff maybe but you'd say to the guard well um I want to go to Conway for the day, but I haven't got any money. Is, and they'd say, oh, OK, well, we'll just sneak you on before the train leaves. And that used to happen all the time. You know, there was cable cars where I lived in Slanderno. I got on them for free all the time because that was fun. But that's actually what's called social skills. So you'd go around the back of the cable car, talk to the, talk to the guys and say, oh, is there any discount for locals? I remember what I used to say now. There's only discount for locals. And they'd say, "Um, why, how much money have you got? I haven't got any money. So they'd say, okay, well, just sneak on when they've got an empty car. We'll sneak you on. But that's called social skills. And that probably helped me more through life than going to school. Because you had to think of a way of how to get the things that you wanted without having any money. And so if you go and be a sweet, nice little kid and smile, it, it, you know, it gets you well in life. And it's, you know, it's the same when you get older, you know. You know how to make people feel special. But like Boris Johnson, I suppose, you know, he can speak to people like they're the only person in the room and that gets him what he wants. And I think those sort of life skills are important, which maybe your university kids don't learn so much because they're not out in real life all the time.
0: I think you have an excellent story, do you not, about university uh, <laughs> graduates and uh, not having real world yeah. skills. Would you like to share it,
1: Sharon? <laughs> yeah. So um, so when we had an estate agent, I used to have, uh, we started a family business as an estate agent. Um, and, and eventually, my, myself and my mother, we, uh, we decided we were never going to take on anybody with a degree ever again. And in fact, in fact, we actually didn't really care if they had no Um, qualifications whatsoever because what do you need them for anyway really because all we needed was people that would turn up on time would be uh, clean and tidy and would be okay with dealing with customers and knew how to get through life and we had one university student and we had well she was a university graduate, and she had this great qualification. I don't even remember what now. Um, But she was just completely useless in life skills. And we had company cars, and you'd have to drive to show people around a house. You know, it's not really particularly hard. The town's not that big. And she drove, and the car broke down, which happens. And she just completely melted into hysterical crying, which you just think... You know, how do you not know how to deal with life? You know, so you, you would obviously, you've got your mobile phone, you phone the customer, say, my car's broke down. I'm going to be 15 minutes late because I'm going to have to walk. What is wrong with that? But she, you know, she just couldn't deal with that. And that again, that's life skills, isn't it? You know, they're just, they, when things throw them curveballs, they just don't know how to deal with it. And that's why we always decide, well, we decided we were never going to take on university graduates because that's what they were all like. They just couldn't deal with life. Um, And you just need people that can deal with the the curves that get thrown at you because that's what life does. Absolutely. This is
0: fantastic because I I have this discussion with parents all the time. Parents who have decided to home educate, they withdraw their children from school for whatever reason. And let's face it, there are lots of reasons why you would want to do that right now. But for whatever the reasons they are, their major concern is, but how will they get their GCSEs? How will they get their A-levels? Which is, is, well, that's easy because home ed people have always done GCSEs and A-levels. Anyway, that's completely fine. You register as an external candidate. I can show you how to do it. It takes 10 minutes for me to teach that. I do a webinar called uh, GCSE Probs. It's about 90 minutes long, and it tells you everything you need to know about how to get your kids doing their GCSEs as a home-educated student, if if that's what you want to do. But that's the big one. Is that what you want to do? Because here you are, you're listening to an employer here, someone who uh, formerly ran an estate agent, owned an estate agent, and actually they did not want... They did not want a graduate. Why did they not want somebody with a degree? Because they were absolutely useless. Uh, Their car broke down and they failed to let the client know that they were going to be late. They couldn't deal with with, uh, the real world situation. Now, this is not an isolated incident. Um, I had David Scott on a couple of weeks back. He was explaining that uh, when he was hiring engineers, he once hired a PhD who'd taken three years apparently to even think of anything uh, he he said it was, a, a you know, a not a good experience. He was very concerned about the products of the system that he was uh, having to uh, sift through to try to employ someone who was actually competent. So do you, ladies and gentlemen, do you really want to be sitting GCSEs if if employers actually are not really wanting those things? What kind of things are you, when, when you do employ people, Sharon, what what kind of things are you looking in a young well, person, particularly someone who might be, you know, 17, 16, school leaver, or even 18, well, having left college? Well,
1: if the... I would say the best employees we ever we've ever had. I mean, at the moment I'm sort of working on my own with a business partner. Um, but when we had the estate and we had a lot of staff, and the best staff we had, um, it was a seaside town, I didn't know. Um, the best staff we had were the ones that had um, you know, been had Saturday jobs as a waitress or something. You know, that's life skills, because you know that they've had to work hard. That's what I had to do when I was a child as well. I so, was a
0: waitress. You know, yep. Been there, done Yeah, that.
1: yeah. So yep. I was, I actually, I mean, they would call it child labor now. <laughs> but when I was still in primary school, I worked in a guest house changing beds. You know, my mum couldn't make me change beds at home. But when there was money involved, I changed beds. I was happy to change beds because I got money and add to um, give them breakfast in the morning. And I, I was what, nine or ten? And they'd give me, they'd give me tips, I'd get paid. I thought it was the best job in the world. Um, and that was the same with the estate agent. You know, I, I'd rather have taken on people that worked in a hotel, and luckily there was lots of them um, when they were young, because you knew that they actually knew what hard work was, because that is hard work, um, and they knew how to deal with people. And also, you know that hotels need people that turn up on time to change the beds and wait on the tables, whereas it seems that when they go to university, apparently that's not not important. Apparently, putting in a day's work isn't something that they even have to learn about. And it seems a shock to them that they actually have to deal with weird stuff and curveballs that come along and that they have to turn up somewhere on time and just seems a strange thing to do. Um, so
0: yeah, hard work. Yes, but I'm, I can, I'm completely with you on that. When I was 12 or 13, you've just jogged my memory talking about turning beds uh, as a youngster. I was a little bit older than you. I, I, I was doing paper rounds at that age. But when I was about 12 or 13, a, a t- I persuaded a tea room. It was an, an- antique shop, actually. there was a little tea room above an antique shop where people would be mooching around in, in quite a posh uh, market town in the northwest of mm-hmm. England. And you could go and have a mooch at the antiques on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever. They were the days I was off school, obviously. So on a Sunday, I would work in this tea room, completely illegal, and I'd be serving coffee and tea. I didn't make tea or coffee at home because I didn't drink it. I didn't. My mum didn't even know that I knew how to make it. But when there was money involved... I was able to make a real good old grey. (laughs) I was fantastic with all, you know, Darjeeling, sir, no problem. Like I knew all the names and all of the different stuff, even though I'd never drank tea in my life because I didn't like it. Um, I was heating up, reheating soups, serving soups and warm bread rolls. I was serving, uh, making toasties. I was doing all kinds of sort of um, domestic stuff that my mum didn't even think I could do. But I was, I was, I was getting good. I was getting twenty quid for a Sunday, for eight hours on a Sunday, and I thought it was the best thing ever. Uh, because we didn't have uh, any money. I was the eldest of three children, single parent family, unfortunately. And it was a very, very difficult time. So getting my own money was the most wonderful thing to me. But what I was really getting wasn't the money what I was really getting was a real education. I was learning, like you just said, how to deal with people, how to how to, how to cope with a catastrophe. I was on my own in this tea room. It was completely illegal. The lady that, that ran that section of the antique shop was supposed to be there with me, but she figured out quite quickly that I was competent enough to run it on my own. And I actually felt quite proud that she trusted me to run it on my own. And I quite liked being... being considered responsible enough to run this thing on my own. So she was giving me what I thought was good money. Uh, she was happy. I was happy. The customers were happy. But then, you know, once once a toasty starts burning and there's, there's tw- this this tea room sat 20 people and I was only 11. I was 12, 13, sorry. And it was quite stress-like. It's quite a responsible job. You know, once you start burning a bit of a toasty and then, you know, the, the coffee's already brewed and you need to change the filter... And it did get quite complicated, a little bit stressful, but you'd learn to cope because you have to. You know, you can't phone your daddy.
1: How to do stress. Yeah. Yeah. And how to deal with pressure. And that, like you say, that's real pressure, isn't it? Yeah, that's real pressure. They're paying customers.
0: They're paying customers and they're someone else's customers because I just work there one day a week. You don't want to upset your boss because she's got to deal with these customers like, the, during the rest of the week and during other times. And also, you don't want to do a bad job because it, it looks bad on you, right? You want to do a good job. So you. And also, you want tips.
1: Yes, of tips. course. Extra See, money. So, that, that, and so, so, <laughs> that, so my social skills from being a little kid being able to get on the cable cars for free, that came in really well when I started waitressing, because the more you smiled at them and you were nice, you got more tips. Even if they were horrible people, you learned how to, you know, hold it in. You think, right, well, I'd really like to say something really horrible and rude to you. But actually, I do remember Getting sacked from a few waiting on jobs because, uh, yeah, I couldn't hold it in anymore. But that was okay. Too.
0: <laughs> I, I once worked in a really posh, and I mean super posh. It was it was a restaurant, but it was kind of French style in, a, in a, a very nice market town, again, in, in the northwest of my hometown. And uh, we had we had people like David Beckham literally coming in and the, the Manchester United footballers were regular, some of the city footballers and their footballers' wives and all this stuff. There's quite a lot of them. Um, in fact, the restaurant was, well, whilst they didn't mind the footballers, they quite liked them. They they, did, they sort of viewed them as lowering the tone somewhat because they were new money uh, compared with the old money uh, kind of clients that yeah. we're used to entertaining. Anyway, I managed to get a job there, persuaded the manager to give me a go. And he, he, the training was fabulous. It was silver service training.
1: Really. Yeah, I did silver service. You got rigor. extra money for silver service. Absolutely, but it was rigour. Walk and spoon. <laughs> Yeah, really, don't have that anymore. No,
0: but it was a really good training, a really good discipline, and we, I, I valued it. It was a, it was a great learning experience, but it. We, we used to have this this uh, customer that would come in every Friday and/or Saturday night, and he was an extremely nasty, arrogant, odious, pompous man. And he was something to do. He was very, very actually. I probably better be careful because people might be able to pick out who this was. It was somebody that had something to do with the new Wembley Stadium. That's the the major football venue in the United Kingdom. For those who are listening from outside of the UK, it's, it's the major sporting venue in London, Wembley. Football stadium, and he th- we had a new one built uh, a couple of decades ago now. And this guy was in in charge of it. That was it. Came in uh, really really late and totally over budget, and it was this guy's fault. I mean, um, it was his crowning achievement that he was in charge of this project or something very very high up in it. Anyway, he used to come in every Friday and Saturday, and you should see the staff used to scurry away and hide because nobody. This guy was horrible to the staff, really really awful. So my manager used to say to me when when this guy was on the books because it, it was a it was a restaurant that used to have the book in advance because it was extremely popular. And he would say to me, right, and he said, you've are you're on. You've got the slug tonight. We used to call him the slug behind his back. <laughs> you've got the slug tonight. I want you to make sure that everything is fine. He's on table nine. You're in charge of it. Don't let such and such and such and such anywhere near his table. They they were the less competent members of waiting staff. And he said, you're responsible for this. So I, I used to be like, right, come up. I'm dealing with the slug tonight. Right, let's get this going. And we used to just approach it in that way. He used to leave humongous tips, but he was vile. He was
1: absolutely vile. He used to, have to stand there yeah, and Yeah, but smile. the humongous tips. Was was <laughs> worth it, you say, wasn't it? But yeah, now and again. But it was the ones that I got, well, I, I walked out from before I got sacked. But I, I look back now and I remember the posh restaurant that I worked in, and I was probably 14, 15. And I was the best at the silver service because I did silver service because you earned extra money. So, um, but it was the round table. And now you look back, it was Freemasons. It was It them that I just couldn't I couldn't I couldn't hold it in because they were the ones that would really look down on you because you were the waitress and you know it just shows how old I am but I remember them flicking their ash onto the table from their cigarettes and me going up and being really horrified thinking well I've got to clean this and I say excuse me you know there's an ashtray here here's your ashtray and they just look at you and flick the ash on the table. And I remember losing my temper about that. And um, yeah, and another round table lady telling me off that um, that I'd spilt some soup on her jacket that was worth £500 or something ridiculous. And I just said, well, that's fine. You know, if, if you can afford £500 for a jacket, you can afford your own dry cleaning. So that's that. So yeah, I lost that job as well. But at least then it teaches you to be assertive when you need to. Because I remember thinking, gosh, you know, these people are wealthy. They've turned up in a car. And I've just, I'm here, I'm 14. I've just told her, well, just go and stick it, really. And I I just think, again, that's a life skill, isn't it? Because then you realize, okay, well, I like this job. I like the money. But actually, my self-respect means a little bit more. And, you know, so so it's are life skills, aren't they? Absolutely. I had this one guy.
0: Uh I, this was not the the slug. It was bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, if you are rude to wait stuff, that's these are the sorts of things we call you behind your back. Uh, so be be <laughs> nice to wait stuff. Anyway, this other guy, this was not the slug, but this was this was someone else. This was a one-time, play. this was not a regular. Um I never forget how. I never forget what being condescended to in front of an, an audience of adults, a bunch of adults, uh, felt like. Because he said to me, um, I'll have the Roja, a bottle of the Roja. Um, and I said, uh, Will that be the Rioca number 38, sir? And uh, he said, Oh, <laughs> no, I meant the Roja. And I was like, uh, the, Is that the number 38, sir? Yes, it is. Of course it is, you silly girl. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, so there I was about six I must have been I must have been about seventeen working in this particular restaurant. There I was being condescended to because uh, the guy I obviously realized the guy had pronounced Ryoka wrong, uh, but I didn't want to make him look a fool so I said do you mean the Rioja the number 38 like I tried to make it about which number because all the all the wines the bottles of wine had numbers next to them yeah. so I tried to like yeah. be mature and, and placate it in that way I, I, I literally said do you mean the Rioja sir, the number 38 very very quick not, I was not trying to make like score a point or anything all these men were there with their cufflinks and their very expensive suits and shirts and ties and the massive table of just men and uh, they all you know I, he said oh I don't think so so ha, 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 I'll, I'll take a bottle of the Roja. And I was just like, wow. Like I, I just I couldn't believe that A, that this guy was so ignorant. And B wanted to laugh in my face so over uh such so like I had you know, probably a fraction of, of, of his education or anything like that. And yet that's the way that, that he decided to treat me. I thought, wow. But
1: so, it shows that you just don't need it. You don't need that education. And I think that's what youngsters miss out on now because. I know um, in London, so if you think of all those hotels where I would have worked when I was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, they're not allowed to employ school children now until some other age. And I think, what's wrong with that? You know, I actually chose. My mum didn't send me out to work like we needed it for the household as such. We didn't have money. But if I wanted extra treats, we, you know, we weren't very well off. But I had to work for it. Well, what's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But that again, you know, I'd be sat in school thinking, I could be earning money now. I could be either playing with my pony, playing with my dog, or I could be waiting on tables uh, or changing beds in one of the hotels, which probably would have been better than being in school. Because when you look back, those are the life skills that you learn. Regurging the shit out of the the textbooks at the end of the year to pass the exam was actually quite easy you only I only needed to read them a few nights before cram it in spew it out that's all that those tests mean And like you say I'd have probably done better at school maybe even better and gone on to some sort of further education if I realized that you just I just needed to get out it was a nurse but yeah, it's now in- I'm sure it'd work another way. It's interesting uh, that you, you talk about cramming, and
0: that's so true. It's still true today, particularly at GCSE, slightly less so at A-level, but certainly at GCSE, That's the uh, for those who are outside the UK, sorry, that's exams that we sit at 16. They're national exams. They're independently assessed, uh, independently marked, but they are for 16-year-olds. And if you have a good memory, if you happen to have a good memory, you're going to fly, you're going to ace them, you are going to warp yeah, I your did. GCSEs. I got,
1: I don't even know what I got now, because I got something like eight A's and two B's or something like, Congratulations. B, something like
0: that. Congratulations, fabulous results.
1: Yeah, but it was crap, wasn't it? You know? Sadly, what, what, yes. What was that? Would, would I remember any of it? No. Did I remember any of it maybe even a week later? No. Sure, I didn't remember any what? of it, so do you what mean was the to point say, of that? Do you mean to say, Sharon, that hanging valleys and oxbow lakes have never
0: come up in your life? <laughs> what do you mean you, you've never had to? You, what about algebra?
1: I actually loved maths. I actually quite liked maths. Really, math was my favourite subject in school, and I bet I've never done factions ever since. And so, how, you know, it was a completely waste of time, really. But at least it taught you, I suppose, how you had to play the game. And I think if you played the game well years ago, that was fine. But now you think, well, how do they play the game now? It's probably not quite so easy. Um, in terms of
0: the exams, it is. If you if if you have a good memory and you if you put a lot of effort in, yes, you will get great grades in your exams. It shouldn't be it, for most people that that. Is the case usually? What goes wrong is poor teaching or poor effort on the part of the student. That's predominantly the problems at GCSE. I think the issues more today are political. It's the the politics that's the the mendacious politics, the dark stuff. Well, at
1: least in our day, I think our teachers were. As I I even think back at them, I think a few of them had drink problems. I remember them having a drink problem because they used to smell of alcohol and as being a bit bemused by it all. But, you know, at least largely they left you alone. So so that was all right, wasn't it? So so you just went in. They told you to copy stuff out of a textbook and that was that, wasn't it? So you, you could take it or leave it. And that was that. And they didn't really interfere with you, though. And now when I hear from friends about their children going to school, I just can't imagine what that must be like. Because the teachers seem to have an agenda of their own that they're trying to pass on. And I know, uh, uh, to be fair, I think we got off lightly because that just wasn't the case when we were in school at all. I don't think the teachers were interested. It was just a job. They just wanted to get paid and they weren't that bothered what happened to us. But at least they weren't trying to feed us anything sinister. There was no other agenda going on. And I think we were really lucky. And maybe sort of with the, the, the last generations to go through that because now things seem to have changed which seem you know more concerning really. What sorts of things are you noticing from
0: your uh, uh, friends that have children and uh, I think you were telling me just before we, we got rolling about a campaign uh, regarding RSE if you could like maybe flesh out some of those things for us that would be great.
1: Yeah so so in Wales where I am um when um, there was the COVID uh, lockdowns, I was um, arranging protests that I got in quite a lot of trouble for, but anyway, that's okay, um, in now And we were allowing, um, the, so we're North Wales, we're really as far north as you can get. Llandidna, um, we were arranging the protests. And um, there were some ladies with some links to um, some of our sort of anti-lockdown um, members um, so they, they're from Cardiff and they're really on it. And um, They've been on the Richie Allen show recently um, about this RSE. So we knew about it um, oh, a couple of years ago and they've been on it for quite a while. So they were coming up and piggybacking on our protests and we were happy for them to do that. I'll just so quickly we dive in, sorry. RSE,
0: just for the listeners, not everyone. I, I screwed this up the other week. RSE is, um, is it... Um, something to do with sex relationship and relationship sex. thank you relationship yeah, relationship and sexual education Brilliant. that's rse guys relationship and sexual education for those who are not up to yeah. speed. somebody brought me up to speed on this the other week thank you so i
1: don't have children so uh you know but i was like really this is just incredible so we were allowing them to piggyback on our um on our protest um but the, I mean, they were actually up the other week. And what I did notice was there was a lot of people around and especially in Slandidno and especially just over a week ago, the place was packed. Those, those girls had traveled all the way from Cardiff. It's a really, really long way. Um, and they were giving out leaflets. And it was horrendous really because nobody believed them. They, people think they're making it up. They actually believe that this is being made up. Um, a friend of mine who, you know, she, she she's she's half asleep really, which is a bit sad, but she cares a lot about her child. And she just couldn't believe it when I showed her all the information that these ladies have been bringing up from Cardiff. And, and that's true. And she's gone to her, you know, her, her five-year-old's um, school. She spoke to all the friends that go and pick them up after school. And not one of them believes what she's saying. And even she, you know, she, she's a friend of mine. She can't believe it. She's looked it up online and she, she keeps saying to me, Sharon, it's absolutely true. And I'm like, I know, it's absolutely true. It's really quite concerning because obviously we didn't have any of that. All our teachers were bothered about was getting through the day, making sure you didn't cause any trouble and just getting you out at the end. Um, but I don't remember any of our teachers having Any sort of agenda or or any interest in providing us with an agenda even I don't I don't they never seemed that interested in us and now I just think how can these teachers how can they do it anyway it it, it completely astounds me to be honest that you think how uh, there isn't the money in the world that I would be able to have that would make me do that to children But somehow they think they're doing the right thing. What kinds of things are these uh,
0: RSE protesters protesting about? What kinds of things are going on in the schools? Why are they so um, against it?
1: So they're against it because they consider it to be grooming. Um, And when you actually... It it just makes me feel quite sick, really, because you think these are very young children. We're talking five-year-olds. These ladies, from the information they found out, they said they're being taught about... um, facial ejaculation was one thing that came up and I was like really for a five-year-old like apparently that that that's you know that And uh, it I, even I'm thinking this can't be true but actually I know that these ladies are committed to this they've committed to finding out the information why would they be like well they're not lying are they they're just not lying so that's come up um, they've got to um, be told even at five that there's so many different genders that you can be you can choose your gender so that's going to be taught in Wales from September that you actually have a choice um, which I would think would be very confusing because you're either a boy or a girl why would your teacher be telling you you can choose isn't that just going to confuse you um, and also the whole thing that they have been trialling in schools, apparently they're going to bring into Wales, the whole drag queens are going to be um, reading stories, which again, you just think, what well, well, I just don't understand why you'd have these people in school. Yes. I mean, these are adult, they're adult entertainment. A drag queen, as far as I'm concerned, is adult entertainment. I personally don't have a problem with somebody, a man dressing as a woman. I don't care. I have no interest. It doesn't bother me. It has no influence over me. But for those people to be going into a school to make out that this is normal, to me is grooming because they want children to normalize this sort of sexual thing. And it's quite nasty. Um, But the more shocking thing as well is that parents just don't know. And they think that we're joking. They think this is a joke. And you think, you know you care about your children most people do of course obviously they care about their children but they're just completely blind to it all and that's really quite scary. It's so
0: monstrous. I think that they they can't entertain the possibility of it. I, I've shocked a few people who I consider to be wide awake with this one. Uh, if, if you want to catch up on the drag queen story time sagas, you can find out about that on... Uh, Alex Jones is hot on it at the moment at infowars.com. David Icke's done a little bit about it, drag queen story time. But your main man at the moment is Alex Jones. He's he's showing you mainstream media articles. I call them the fake news media because that is what they are. So he is showing you mainstream media articles, fake news media articles about many of these drag queens have been arrested for uh, child pornography. So also, if you, if you, and that's, that's not made up. These guys have been convicted. So for example, uh, library in the United States, uh, drag queen story time, drag queen later arrested for uh, child pornography on his or her phone, laptop, whatever. Why? And and it's so obvious that that was going to happen. It's not about inclusion, it's about grooming. Children have a think about it. Schools are always crying out for adults, for mums and dads to come in and let the children read because children need to do extra reading because they're not teaching them properly in schools. So they get the parents to come in and sit down and let school children read to them. Now, if a parent wants to do that, they have to have like a DBS check or some sort of CRB check where they check that again that you've got no criminal record, and especially where that would relate to offences with minors. So they make schools are usually pretty good in the UK at making sure that people who come into school. Uh, have all of the correct uh, checks with the law enforcement and checks that you're not a pedo or whatever. Now, par- like there's never enough parents. Primary schools are always crying out for parents to come in and do reading. So why, why and why do you? So why all of a sudden are, are people volunteering to read stories in drag? Now, does that sound like the person is interested in reading to children or having children read to them? Or does it sound like they're interested in showing off their drag or doing their thing or grooming children? I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? If a drag queen wants to help out with children's reading, why don't they not wear their drag stuff and get their DBS check and go into school the schools are crying out for that schools are always wanting parents to come in and read i'm sorry it is you are you're just shirking the obvious boys and girls ladies and gentlemen it is blatant to me it is blindingly obvious that this is somebody who's obviously a bit of an exhibitionist because they're drawing huge amounts of attention to themselves, and good for them. If you want to do that on a Thursday night at Churchill's on Canal Street, the gay village in Manchester, hats off, go Mm -hmm. and enjoy yourselves, because that is an adult environment. And you nailed it earlier when you said that's adult entertainment. Yes, it is adult entertainment and adult ways of life, if you want. Adult lifestyles, if you want to be Uh, super inclusive but it is not acceptable for children it is totally inappropriate and it's the fact that it's coming through the schools just like the injection just like the the injection was a bit of a Trojan horse whatever was in that thing is definitely making you more sick or die than if you didn't have it and that data's coming in and in and in just like that they're going in via this uh, lgbtq whatever rainbow we're sunny and happy and inclusive and we want everyone to love each other and it, again it's what they're actually injecting is poison and there was that i, I can't believe what the what did you say i can't I believe i'm going to say it now facial ejaculation was that
1: yeah yeah what, <laughs> apparently <what>? they're gonna <laughs> teach, teach five-year-olds that's on a five-year-olds that's part of the curriculum facial uh, uh, facial ejaculation and i just remember thinking I said to these ladies I was like you you really just said that to me like you're saying that 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 people think that's acceptable to be teaching five-year-olds in school yes apparently that that is going to be part of it facial ejaculation and and you know um like I, I I said earlier um on the Richie Allen show, I mean, it's just stuck with me. And I think it'll stick with me forever. I had to keep rewinding and listening. There was an MP or whatever the equivalent of an MP is in um, Australia and in the school in Australia, um, they've just brought this RSE in there last year, apparently. And there was an MP who actually stood up in parliament with a letter from his constituent with a seven-year-old child and the MP said she was sent home with homework and her homework was to ask her father how many times he'd masturbated in a week. How is this acceptable? I just, I just can't believe it. I just, I, I, just, I just can't believe it. You know, I was a quite a, you know, um, a, as a seven-year-old, I think I was probably more worldly-wise than seven-year-olds are now. But that would have been... Absolute disgusting for me to have to go home and your teacher telling you to speak to your parents about masturbation that's just not acceptable that's an adult thing. It's beyond. It's beyond
0: unacceptable. And it's it, this is an agenda. This is an evil, evil agenda. This is gr- about grooming children. This has nothing to do with sex education. This has nothing to do with inclusion, diversity, equity. The die religion, diver- diversity, inclusion, equity. This is about perverting and corrupting young children. It is disgusting. It is uncomfortable that this is happening. But if you don't look at it, if you do not consume this material, your net parents, you're never going to do anything about it. And by not doing anything about it, you're tolerating it. You're condoning it by allowing this kind of thing to continue. It is I, okay. You might say, "Well, that's Australia," well, but I'm sorry. It's it's this is this is coming in. That's the tip of the spear, well, isn't it?
1: People can look at, I think her name's called Kim. And if you just look up the RSE Wales, um, there's a lot of information on their websites because that's been um, that's where I've been directing my friends to who, who've got children, and they are really shocked. And um, she is. I'm sure she's an ex-solicitor. She knows what she's talking about anyway. She's incredibly intelligent and she's been really on this for years now. Um, when she started, everyone thought she was bonkers and that she was making it up, but somehow she was she's been onto this for years and the information she's got is vast. Um, and she's very committed to the cause because obviously she's got children of her own. And she doesn't want them to be taught this, this. Well, it's not even taught, like you say, it's grooming, isn't it? It's to normalize this sort of thing for children. You know, the only things we were ever told about sex education or anything was that, you know, things like this were to be done within a loving relationship. Whether you believe in that or not, that's fine. We're adults. But as as children, they should just be taught, well, you know, um, birds and the bees maybe, or, you know, these things happen in a um, a loving relationship. Not things about masturbation and a facial ejaculation. It just seems that they're normalising that type of behaviour so that if somebody, a paedophile, does approach them, the children think that's quite normal. And that's what I would think is grooming. If you approached me in a pub and started talking to me about
0: some of these things, any of these things, I would be like... Uh, yeah, okay then. Anyway, uh, should we go over there? Like, yeah, I, I would disgusting. think you're weird. I yeah. would think you're completely start raving bonkers. And these people are teaching this to children in schools. Sex education, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that's for parents. Sex education should not be taught in school full stop. It was the thin end of the wedge. Uh, Char, um, is it Charlotte Isabee? I always get her, ne- her surname slightly mixed up. Go and If you search at band.video for Charlotte, Charlotte, I think it's Isabee, Charlotte Isabit. Uh, B-Y-T, Isa I-S-E-R-B-Y-T, Charlotte Isabet, I think is how you pronounce it, probably, something like that. She figured out that there were these lovely schools in the United States of America where she lived and worked, and they had no teenage pregnancies, everything was fine. Then they would roll out sex education And then there'd be teenage pregnancy problems in those schools where there were no problems before. And that's how she fell down the rabbit hole and figured out what education was really all about, not education. It's schooling, not education, and they are not the same thing. And this is, that's how she... What did you have in school? Uh, We had almost nothing. We we didn't didn't have time for that. We We were busy learning how to read, write and do arithmetic.
1: We had secondary school. We had to put condoms on on cucumbers. I remember that. So that was... Interesting. That was very amusing, um, and that was I think that was about it. Really, <laughs> I think that was it. How to put a condom on a on a c- cucumber? Okay, well that's all right. That's fine. That was fine. That was probably a few half an hours, um, and some giggling. And but what about? Yeah, you could go to the Family Planet Clinic for free condoms if you wanted to. And we thought that was really funny. And so I remember some of the boys got it and they'd, they'd fill them with water and let them go in the playground. So that was amusing. And that was probably about all sex education whats which is absolutely fine, isn't it? I didn't, I thought that was quite funny. I would have said yes, but now
0: because of where, now that I know where this is going and where I'm it now been saying no, off it's not the thin end of the wedge. Now also... Well, it didn't teach us anything, no, did it? it was just, boys it, were silly and we already us knew us that anything. anyway. Uh, yeah, we all do know that anyway. Boys are silly, uh, especially teenage boys. Yeah, I, I'd heard about the uh, putting the condom on a cucumber apocryphally, but I'd never actually experienced this lesson, or didn't actually know anyone uh, yeah. who had. So yeah, yeah. I, I had heard about well, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do it. I could do cucumber. But you see, what condom? What, thing. We haven't, what we
0: haven't considered here is what about the parents who are perhaps conservative Christians who completely disagree with uh, the idea of contraception. In and of yeah, itself, yeah. isn't that entirely disrespectful yeah. of, of that religion and the, and the people yeah, who have that it faith? Really is. Now, imagine yeah. if—I mean, we're not allowed to draw. Um, Cartoons of Mohammed, are we in school or anywhere? Because that you get killed for that, or fat war on your head, or something. It's completely uh, disrespectful to Islam. Yada yada yada. But yet, yet here we are rolling out uh, condoms on cucumbers because uh, we don't mind offending Christians because uh, reasons. Like this makes no sense. If this is about inclusion, schools are always going on and on and on about inclusion. Well, why are we why are we being anti-Christian then? Well, what
1: are they going to do with the Muslim children with the RSE? What's going to happen there?
0: Interestingly, because the Muslim community in, I think it's Islington, I might have got this slightly wrong. I might have got the borough wrong. It's London. There was something on YouTube a while ago. I'll try and find the link and put it in the description, actually, because parents need to see this. The Muslim community, fair play to them, were outside school protesting because they'd found out what was being taught in their little uh, children's primary school and they went nuts about it and good for them. But how sad that it's taken the Muslim community to do it. Where are the Christians? Where are where are just the decent, upright British people who think that this is disgusting and it's not for they, little they children? Think,
1: they think this isn't happening. They, they don't believe this is happening because those type of conservative Christians would be the type of people that come to London know on holiday. <laughs> so my, so the ladies from the from Cardiff with the RSE, they're, 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 those would be who they were giving them out to. That's who they were giving those leaflets out to, and they're the ones that actually think that that you you're just lying. That that can't happen. There is no way they will teach that in school. Um, we've not been consulted. It's not happening. You're crazy. That, that's literally what, what happened. A week last Saturday, I didn't go. I just spoke to the people who did go and they said that's how the whole day went. They spent a day speaking to crowds of parents, people with children, giving them leaflets, trying to engage with them. And they said they didn't think they even got one. I'll have to and get her on. that's quite shocking,
0: really. I'll have to get her on. Poor yeah. woman, I, I feel for her because I, I kind of feel a little bit like David Icke must have, 30-odd years ago, because people don't believe me when I tell them what's going on in schools. People don't believe me when I show no. them the academic problems that are occurring, not just in mathematics, in French, in history, in music, it's everywhere. And they think you're smoking bananas. They think you're literally crazy. And it's as a mathematician, uh, as a GCSE mathematics examiner, I find it extremely frustrating that my credentials from inside the beast system, as I call it, couldn't be more legit. They couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't have better qualifications for what I say I do and what I prove I can do. And yet people do not, they just don't, it's particularly husbands, I find, not so much the wives. There are some good men and they know who they are, but particularly the husbands are just not, no, if my son or daughter is not going to school, they're going to study the national curriculum. Do you know what's on the national curriculum? Well, if you did, you wouldn't want your children studying that. Like I have, I do have real problems explaining. No, this is really on the curriculum. They are really going to teach climate change GCSE, and that's one of the least problematic, perhaps one of the least problematic. Uh,
1: aspects yeah, but climate change is another one. You know, you if you if you question climate change, people think you've gone nuts. <laughs> Do you think you've gone nuts? Oh yeah! Like you know, uh, I get it all the well, time. What happened to you the ozone know, uh, layer then? Because I thought we were all going to when we were at yeah, school, we were all going to die because of the ozone layer, didn't we? No, oh, no. What happened to we forgot that? about that one then? Was oh, no, that finished no. now? Yeah, is it the ozone layer healed? That. Is it closed? Yeah, that's okay. Now we, we stopped using aerosols, and that's all healed now. So now it's people like me and my Range Rover. I'm just going to kill everybody. Apparently, oh, not, yeah. not those planes um, with the with the, uh, the toxins coming out of the back of them. No, no, not those. no, they don't exist. No, the burium, they don't exist. The that's, aluminium—that's pretend. The strontium. No, that's pretend. Remember? No, no that's pretend. No, it's, it's it's Sharon Smith in her Range Rover. She's she's just going to end the world because she's making too much carbon. She's making too much carbon, and we're all going to die. And yet. Yeah, I don't. I just find it weird. Like people will swallow this stuff, and yet you tell them the truth, and they they just look at you like you've you've lost the plot. You know, my my neighbours uh, that the Jubilee, the Queen's Jubilee, oh. the other week, that was just you know. So you can imagine they knew me as the Tory candidate. I was a very upstanding citizen at one time, and now obviously I'm the crazy woman that lives down the road. Um, which is fine. From Conservative um,
0: Party candidate to crazy cat lady. the <laughs> <So> crazy.
1: <laughs> so I'm out walking my dog, Jubilee, and there's a holiday park next to where I live. I have to walk through there. And, you know, they're all middle class and it's it's quite an expensive holiday park thing. And so the, man, the manager of the holiday park, she's really my closest neighbour. She comes out with a big tray of cakes and their little uh, um, whatever red, white, and blue little fairy cake things. So she comes out of the house with them, sees me, and she does know I'm a I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist, so that's fine. So she comes out and offers me a cake, and she's like, "Oh, Sharon, hello. Um, would you like a cake?" And I and I almost like do a cross with my fingers, like, oh, "No, stand back, stand back," you know. And I'm like, "Oh no!" And I, and I, 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 and she just had a look of horror in her face, and and, and she's thinking, oh, my God, that's, that's, you know, she used to be normal, but now she's crazy. And she knows my thoughts on the royal family. So she said, Sharon, um, you know, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I I agree with you. I agree with you because that's what people say. So I agree with you. That's all I said. I was, oh, no, 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 I couldn't. No, I couldn't have a fairy cake of red, white and blue. She said, no, I agree with you, Sharon. You're absolutely right. You know, I, I absolutely agree with you about the royal family. But she said, but, you know, we're having this jubilee party and it's for the children. It's for the children so that they can have a nice time. And I said, oh, that's great that, Christine. You know, I think um, teaching children to worship a family of paedophiles is a great idea. And, she, and there was her and another person and they just, like you say, about the whole David Icke thing. And I just stood there and they just like, were, their jaws dropped and they they just looked at each other like she is crazy. And I, and I just smiled and I thought, yeah, do you know what? I'm happy to have the crazy, um you know, I'm quite quite happy to have that crazy label because I'm not there having a tea party for the Queen who obviously knows at least one of her sons is a paedophile. Her favourite you know, son. Her he favourite son. Is. He just is. And she's just paid £13 million pounds so we don't get to hear anything. And, you know, the other son, Charles, he was best friends with Jimmy Savile. You know, what can you say? Don't tell me that Charles is any more innocent than Andrew. He's just not so stupid as to be caught. But, you know, it just shocks me. You know, there they are. I think they care about children. And yet they're there getting them to eat red, white and blue fairy cakes and clap for the queen.
0: Well it's just shocking. Queen Elizabeth and her family so, yeah. of paedophiles. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm Yeah, so I'm yeah,
1: so I'm just happy to be the crazy conspiracy theorist lady that lives at the end of the road. <laughs> well it's kind
0: of a comp in a world that is absolutely verifiably insane. Being called mad is actually a bit of a compliment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm
0: I'm certainly wearing yeah, this. Like- one.
1: I like all the mad conspiracy theorist friends anyway, so that's fine. They're a, they're the nicer people. But yeah, I think once you get over that, it was difficult at the beginning because everyone thought I'd just gone crazy. Um, and I think, but after you get over that, it's a bit like the way David Icke says, you know, the best thing for him was the Wogan thing because then it was so shocking that and everyone did sort of work really awful to him that then you lose your ego and it actually doesn't mean anything to me now so I'm I'm quite happy to come out with anything and People look at me like, "Yeah, we forgot you're know, the crazy conspiracy theorist." And you think, "Yeah, that's fine now. That's all right. I don't mind." Whatever anyone says about uh, David Icke, and
0: they do say all kinds of things, but whatever anyone says about him, the way in which he was treated post that Wogan interview was absolutely disgraceful by all by all involved. And you know what that man has withstood—whether he's right, whether he's wrong, whether you think he's a Pied Piper, whether you whatever. I am, you know, so Im- impressed with the way in which he's carried himself. That that is how to han- that is how to handle uh, systematic uh, abuse. And and what what a you know what what a great man actually just just regardless of of. Whether what he said is correct or not, or whether this is right or that's right, I don't care. The way in which he's conducted himself over the years is a, a true testament to the man's character, and I'll, I'll never forget that he says. Sorry, when I, I saw he, there's one quote that I that really has stuck with me because uh, I, I didn't understand how he'd managed to do it. But I went to one of his lectures in uh, oh, it's a long time ago now. I, I don't know seven, eight years maybe in Wembley Arena, and he said. Yeah. Um. Today's oak tree is just yesterday's nut that held its ground.
1: Oh well. Well, I think that you know, I'll say it was the Boris thing that made me wake up, but I think there was little seeds. And the year before, I don't know whether you ever know knew this, but I remember up until well, up until probably the whole lockdown, the twenty third of March, twenty twenty. I probably did think. David Icke was the crazy guy in the blue, in the purple uh, jogging suit or whatever it was that he wore on Wogan. I remember that, but I remember the summer before, so it must be 2019, I remember seeing on the news that David Icke had been banned from Australia. Do you remember I that? do remember that very well indeed, yeah. Yeah, So, I, but, I, but so I was thinking, what? what? And I remember reading about it thinking, what is this about? Why would they care so much in Australia that some crazy guy in a, in a blue jogging suit that was on Wogan, who's completely bonkers, because I actually, I'd never really looked into it and I just thought he was a bonkers guy off Wogan. Why would they care that much? Why would they care? Why would they care? If some crazy guy wants to go and tell you that the Queen's a lizard and they want to pay money to sit in the stadium what is the problem? Why would the Australian government care that much? And that was probably another one of my half awakenings. I think that was a little seed because it never went away from me that. And I remember it used to come up in my head all the time. And I think, but he's completely crazy. If he's completely crazy, why would you care? That is amazing. If people want to go and listen to a lunatic, that's fine, isn't it? Why would a government care less?
0: I was making. If
1: you're paying tax, yeah I,
0: yeah, I was making the exact same argument as you from the other angle. I was saying to my okay. husband, I, I was saying to my husband, this is great. This is this gives him even more legitimacy because uh, for the the exact same things you were saying, you were saying, "Oh, but he's crazy. Why not just let the crazy guy speak?" And I was saying, "Yeah, if he's crazy, you go, if he's crazy, why not let him speak?" Then so we were having. Again, what a strange synchronicity, because we had the thing about Boris uh, getting fatter in ICU, and we also had the thing about why they banned Ike from Australia. I was already awake, so I knew why they banned Ike from Australia, but I was saying the things that you've just said. I did
1: not know, but I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. why is this even like a thing? Why would they even notice? Let the crazy man talk. Why would... Right? Yeah, um, why would they even notice anyway? Why was he on the radar of somebody from the Australian government? Why would they even know who he was? You know, surely there's crazy people that talk all the time, isn't there? There's awful pop pop stars that have these awful concerts that are just full of nonsense. So, but no one cares about that. People pay a ticket. You pay taxes. Everyone makes money. The Australian make government would make money out of it. Why would you ban somebody? There was you know, they'll they'll let some horrendous pop star in that's going to start talking about drugs and whatever. So some crazy conspiracy theorist that's going to talk about the Queen being a lizard, pretty harmless, really, because he's just mad, surely. Isn't he? He's just mad. That well, so, that's what we
0: were supposed to believe, wasn't it? And I tell you what, he's looking a whole lot less crazy now, isn't he? What what a man! For the record, I I don't think he's crazy. I believe pretty much most of, no. of what he is, I has. I don't. Told. I've
1: met him now, and and I've never. When I went to um, the protest in London on in August twenty twenty, I think that's the most uplifting experience I've ever had, and it wasn't what he said. It was just when he came on the stage and I just remember it being incredibly uplifting. And, you know, it's quite surprising really when you meet him in real life. Um, Yeah, it it was incredibly uplifting. Better than anything, you know, you've been to concerts in big stadiums and we were just stood there in, in Trafalgar Square and you'd had some, you know, speakers on before Dolores Carhill. I remember she was on before... And you think, yeah, yeah, you know, I get this, Um, you know, and I'm thinking, gosh, driven all the way from London, probably going to get a massive fine again, as usual, because I shouldn't have been out of Wales. And then David Icke came on and it was just really uplifting. It wasn't what he said. It was the experience. Was that the so, yeah. I,
0: I streamed all of those London protests live on things like Russia Today and all kinds of uh, dodgy... The first
1: um, one that he came to. Rise like lions yeah, from,
0: from your slumber yeah. in unvanquishable number. Yeah, he yeah, quoted Percy Shelley, yeah. didn't he? It was a, a marvellous speech. Yeah. I, I urge you to go and look it up, people. If you haven't heard it, David Icke's speech in Trafalgar Square, The one where, it's not the one where they all sang, you'll never walk alone, it's the previous one. No. Rise like lions yeah, yeah. from your slumber in unvanquishable number. So, um, I think that was taken from the Peterloo massacre uh, in Man- that happened in Manchester. Uh, i have to dig into that history a bit more i can't remember off the top of my head but it was when the gov- government was the sl- slayed a load yeah. of mancunians because we, we were yeah. arguing about something against the state and they actually slaughtered unarmed citizens in,
1: in manchester the peterloo massacre well, well well i mean it's not that much i mean you know we were at a protest you know we're at an anti-lockdown protest okay we're breaking lockdown rules not yes. We were attacked by the police. We were attacked by TSG, which are, if people that don't know what TSG are, they aren't normal police. These have riot gear on, they have special boots, so you can't, you, I mean, they have helmets. They're, they're, they're like paramilitaries. And they were literally running at the crowds and beating people up for nothing more than going to a protest. And yet Black Lives Matter, they were kneeling. Well, I think that just tells you all you need to know. Because again, why did they care? We were going to listen to a crazy man speak. Why did they care? Why did they want to stop that? And, and, And they did stop. Vernon Coleman was meant to come to that one on a screen. And they couldn't even get the connection because the police had stopped it. Again, why did they not want us to hear Vernon Coleman? He's an old man in a chair, isn't he, Doctor Vernon Coleman? Just an old bloke. That's what he calls himself. Isn't he just just an an old old man in a chair? Why can't he speak? Let him speak. Why can't he speak? And yet, Black Lives Matter. They were kneeling, and that was and none of the freedom protests that I know of, and all the ones that I attended, there was never anybody that was violent there. The only people that were violent were the police.
0: And as a a former Conservative Party candidate, how did that make you feel to witness the TSG, British police officers, beating and harassing those that wanted to exercise their right to free speech, their right to free assembly? Well,
1: it just makes you realise that the government and the country is not what we'd always been made to see. You know, it makes you realise that we're actually no different than communist China. It's just packaged up differently um, because they think there'll be more of a pushback. And I, I actually do think there would be. I think in Britain at the moment, there's enough people like us that are working class. You know, I have grandparents that fought in the war and I'm, you know, and now I look back on that and I think that's horrendous. I've had a grandfather that landed in Dunkirk. He didn't die. But I only remember him as being a grumpy, miserable old man. And now i realise, now I'm older, that the reason he was like that when I was a child was because he had post-traumatic stress. He didn't speak about London at Dunkirk. So basically, he sacrificed his life, even if he didn't die. He probably might have been happier if he had, because his life wasn't happy. Um, And so he made that sacrifice for me to live freely. And yet there never was any freedom, was there? And then you realize that it's all a big illusion, isn't it? You know, we're not free. We're not free. And the moment you try and express that, that you want to be free, they come down on you like a ton of bricks. And yet, if your're Black Lives Matter, which again, personally, it's a bit like the school's thing, I think Black Lives Matter is promoting racism, not the other way around, I think. The whole Black Lives Matter makes white people think, "Oh well, don't I matter that That's my personal opinion. I don't know whether that's right or not, but I think that's promoting racism, and yet that is celebrated, and it's it's quite a shock really and if anything, at the freedom protest, they were just women and old old men because sadly, there was a real um there was you could well, you could just tell. There was no young men, really, there was a handful. at All the freedom protests, they were women, children and elderly people. And yet the, that's who the police and the TSG were were like absolutely battering to the ground. Um, and why did they want to come down that hard on us? That's not that's not freedom and that's not democracy, is it? So, yeah, um, you know, that just makes you realise that the whole Tory party and what I thought were Conservative values—they don't—they don't exist. They would just pretend. And it's—but I actually truly believed that that's what I stood for. I actually truly believed it was a thing. Well, you did. And now I don't think that's a thing. I did. Well, you did. You stood for it. You stood for but, what was right. It doesn't
0: matter that they were a fraudulent organization. That's me calling the Conservative Party a fraudulent organization. I'm happy to go on the record to say that. But they're no different. None of the other parties are any different. The whole—the whole system is—is is bent, and that that moving section that you talked about, your grandfather there, I actually got in some quite big trouble uh, over the last two years uh, regarding Remembrance Sunday and Remembrance Day, the 11th of the 11th, because I'm pointing out to people that they handed over those hard... foot Whether whether those men died actually for our freedom or not is absolutely a debatable issue. What they believed they, they, believed were, they yes, were... They believed they were... Yes, they believed that they were... good, that's enough. Absolutely. They believed yeah. that they were putting their yeah. lives on the line for our freedom, for not for their own freedom, because many of them knew they were going to die, for the freedom of their children and their grandchildren, right? That's what they believed. And now these so-called men, and I have to say, it is a lot lot of the men that let us down, have handed over their freedoms by wearing sheeple slave muzzles because the government told them to. They willingly gave the freedoms that real men died for. They willingly just tossed them away because they were afraid of the flu. They were afraid of the flu rebranded. I don't care if it even was the actual plague. I don't care if, let's say, even a third of people had died from the, the second Black Death. Even if that was the... Case, it is not acceptable in my mind to throw away the freedom, the real freedoms that those men believed they were dying for, that they were going to war over. I think it is an absolute disgrace, and I've literally told this to many, many people's faces, and I've, you know, I've sent plenty of emails about it as well because it's something extremely close to my heart, and I'm not having uh, people of my generation throwing away the work that those people, but you know, believed that they were doing. I, I think it's an absolute shame on anybody shame on you if, if you've been wandering around in your little sheep sheeple muzzle because you're afraid of the flu you don't deserve the freedom that they died for
1: you you just don't what What is it but but we 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 should have the freedom to, to to get ill if that's what we want anyway yes we should have that freedom it was i i don't want to argue with anyone about covid whatever whatever it doesn't matter even if it was ebola what should have been said, and we'll go back again to Boris Johnson. What I thought he would say, or what I thought the Boris Johnson I thought would say, is: "Here's the information. You make your own choice, because that should be what freedom is. That, to me, is what old-fashioned Tory values are—to make let a lot—and they wanted to get rid of the nanny state, apparently. Because I remember cheering about that at these after-dinner speeches. And so I would have preferred: This is the information. You do with what you like with it, and if you want to lock yourself away and you think that's best for you, fine, crack on. But I should be given the freedom to even make a, an incorrect choice. It's my life, isn't it? And like you say, I considered that my grandparents had given their lives and been brave so that I could be free. And part of freedom is maybe choosing the wrong, making the wrong choice, because. That's fine too, isn't it? You know, it's my life, even if it was a deadly choice. It's not up to somebody else to decide what's safe. You know, like I said, I I ride horses. What's next? Are they going to tell me it's not safe for me to ride my horse? Because it's actually not safe. I know that. I've always known that. I had a bad accident last September. I'm pretty sure that probably what will finish me off is is a really bad riding accident. But that's okay, isn't it? Because that's my choice. I'm not a stupid person. But to me, the whole thing about the whole risk makes me feel like I'm alive. And so if I if I live my life without that risk, to me, that makes my life not worth living. But that's just me. I'm not saying everyone else should be like me, but we should all just be given our choice. And to me, that's old-fashioned Tory values, or that's what I always thought the Tory party stood for. Clearly not. Clearly, I was stupid because I actually thought that was real and that the other people thought that, but clearly they didn't. And that was the whole thing with the freedom protest. Yeah. I was like, well, I think you telling me that I'm not allowed to travel to London from, um, from North Wales, that is disrespecting my grandparents.
0: Absolutely, and everything that they stood for, and, and were willing to give their lives for, and in many of our cases did. Absolutely, yeah. they they were dying. They were they were willing to risk their lives in order for you to have the right to make a stupid choice, should you wish it. So they died for your right to choose, not to choose this or the the right to choose. And and this is to this choose. is something that has just been completely thrown out. And you have. The, 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 the biggest kick in the guts for me were those masks with Lest We Forget or with a poppy on. How dare yeah. you? How dare you produce a slave muzzle
1: with a poppy on? I actually did say to somebody actually in Tesco's, and some old man was absolutely horrified. And I, I said to him in Tesco's, I said, how dare you try and sell me a poppy wearing that? And but, but again, we're going back to the, the parents that don't believe the RSE. I, I couldn't, sometimes these words come out of my mouth and I, I don't even think about it. They just go, blah. And I, you know, just, you know, and you think some man, he wasn't elderly at least, but he's there selling a poppy, thinking he's doing a good thing. And then he gets the cons- cons- crazy conspiracy theorist woman, me, saying, how dare you try and sell me a poppy with that on your face? And he just didn't understand. And there was absolutely no point, but... He couldn't see how I was so upset about it, and I just thought that was really disrespectful to be doing that. But they don't see it; they just don't see oh, it. I can't believe the manufacturers, though, that actually uh, embroidered poppies
0: on the masks, where where you actually had "lest we forget" on the mask. I mean, that is laughing but in not our faces. See it. it is disgusting. I think it's laughing in our it's faces. They're trolling us. That They're us. See it? No, they don't. They don't see it at all. They don't see it. Disgraceful. They don't see any of it at all. One final question. Okay. If I may. Given the, the date, the 7th of the 7th, um, uh, would you like to uh, reference that in relation to Boris uh, resigning today on okay. the 7th of the 7th? Uh-huh. And what do you think about the Georgia Guidestones? I, I, I can't miss that as it only happened yesterday.
1: Okay, so... Um... Yeah, I don't know, really. I know the 7th of the 7th is quite an important day. And obviously, the 7th of the 7th is when there was the Lond- London bombings, which is very interesting that they've picked exactly the same day. And I think that so I don't know about the Georgia uh, Guidestones, actually. I'm not sure what I think about it. I know it's probably just uh, another way of as being um, taunted, I would say, a lot of people are celebrating. I know that um, I think it's Jennifer Arcuri, and she she was um she was uh, Boris's last um mistress, wasn't she, when he was married. Um before this Carrie woman, who actually I probably think is the one that's more in charge than him, but anyway, that's by the by. But yeah, Jennifer Arcurie, you know, she's supposedly a truther. she's part of the truther industrial complex type thing. And she thinks that this is a victory for truthers, but I, I can't see it myself. I think it, they're probably just taunting us again. But I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well,
0: I've read some interesting things. Uh, yesterday, being the sixth of the seventh, uh, or the seventh of the sixth for, <laughs> Ameri- for Americans, well, seventy-six yeah. is the in numerology is skull and bones. Yeah, and I've read all of that stuff uh, this morning in my uh, MeWe group for, uh, actually, it's, it's the Sheeple Free Home Education Group, actually. So I was, I was, some of the parents were posting in there about that this morning. And I've seen Alex Jones. He's, he's uh, He thinks that one of his viewers might have done it. And he says, look, I feel you. I'm glad you did it. But we really shouldn't do stuff like that. So I don't know. I also think it's interesting that they blew up the bit that was in English. The rest of it's been flattened since. But the, the, the only bit that was blown up was the bit that was in English. And I find that interesting because... I, I sort of feel like we need to be able to show the sheeple that. Because if you just show them photographs, they think they've been doctored. But to actually have the physical thing there and say, look what they wrote, look mm-hmm. at it, look at the depopulation agenda, there it is, 500 million, only 500 million people on the planet, that's what these people want. I think it was handier to have that there to show people, look, this is what's there. Whereas now it's not there anymore. Yeah. So I, I find that un- I find that unhelpful. I also think the coincidences around the numerology on that are absolutely shocking. I'm not going to mess it up here because it's not my my specialism. But if you're interested in the numerology, no. go go search out on the internet. There are a lot of very very learned people that know all th- that are very very good at explaining numerology in easy to follow uh, sections. So do it is. I have to say it's it's extremely. It's interesting, interesting when you get
1: into it. It's the whole 33 thing. Just makes me laugh because you see 33 everywhere. literally everywhere now. There's always 33 oh, 33 people did this, or 33 people have COVID, yeah. or, and it's 33. And 300 and thre- 322,
0: 322, which is from Skull and Bones from America yeah. as well. That, that that's everywhere. So yeah, you, you need better people. The ones who really know about it, they tend to do quite long courses that you can access online. And I kind of recommend those because it looks like nonsense. It looks like gobbledygook unless you've actually done the proper learning, the proper reading. It's a bit like pulling off, a, a, I don't know, um, let's say, uh, Marcus Aurelius and re- reading uh, his meditations. God, that's a load of nonsense, that. But if you just look at it very quickly, you might go, oh, yeah, what a load of rubbish, boring. But if you actually read into it, read around it, learn about his life, learn about... Then you get the the nuance and you begin to really understand it. I feel like lots of people just brush off numerology as, you know, hocus-pocus and a load of nonsense. But actually, I think that's disrespectful to the people that have properly studied it and spent invested time, you know, going into it. Because when, when, you, when you see a master present it... I was lucky enough to go to the Open Mind Conference back in something like 2015, 2014, 15, 16. And there was an expert there on numerology and he blew my mind. He blew my tiny mind.
1: Do you think it's important or do you think that just the, whatever you want to call them, the the elite or whatever, do you think it's just important to them? It's just important. I'm not sure it's important. I think I think it's 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 interesting that when you mention it you can then see it everywhere so it makes you see things but I wonder whether it really is important or whether they just think it is maybe they do maybe they don't I couldn't possibly
0: say because I'm not one and I don't know any of them thankfully but I I do think they use it to communicate with each other uh, without having to text one another, email one another, if you see thirty three dead in you know fake bomb on the fake tube mm-hmm. or whatever, then then they know that oh that's us that's us having they know it's one of them that. that that did this or that's it, that's got this under control. I think it's a way of it's a way of communicating in plain sight that most people can't decode and can't read. I would say. Also, I I tend to stay away from it because I, I have too much to do with helping get, helping rescue the kids from schools. So whilst it's interesting, I don't really understand how we can use it. I don't understand how we can yeah, use it to fight back, and it makes us seem even kookier to the the sheeple what I call the sheeple tards. So I don't think it helps us. I don't think think, it
1: helps us. Because they seem to like rituals, the way they show you things before they do things. And so I'm not sure that some of the numerology isn't part of the whole satanic thing. Mm. Oh, for sure. The whole 666 and everything. So, you know, whether it's just part of the whole ritual before they do things and as they do things. Do you mean the CERN logo, 666? Yes, everybody, the CERN logo. And and Disney. And Disney. And Disney, Disney. going back to children. Google's new
0: one, that's also a 666, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and Walt Disney was well into it, you know, and so that's another thing. When you realise cartoons are just full of this weird symbolism and you just I just always thought, oh yeah, well that just seems a bit strange, the way that Disney do that. And then you realise that say some, uh, Disney's actually full of a lot of these satanic sort of um uh, symbols and uh numerology, which is yeah, quite scary that that's
0: targeted towards children, not adults. There's also uh, sort of paedophilic content. If, if you look carefully at things like the Little Mermaid, and there's, there's low, there's I, I'm not going to. I think Jay's analysis, Jay'sanalysis.com, a is a good place to go to look at that. I've just thought of a, a use for numerology because I'm, I'm interested in what we can do in the real world to resist and to fight back. That's why I encourage home education. It's the best thing that you can do to peacefully resist the tyranny is to withdraw your consent, is to take your children away from this beast system and educate them properly at home. That's my thing. But I actually think there's a a researcher called Ole Damagard, like Oli, O-L-E, but it's pronounced Ole, Ole Damagar. And he's—I think he—he he, he says he's actually managed to stop some false flag terror from happening because he's figured out the dates or figured out some of the, the codes and actually oh, started to prevent okay. some of these uh, horrible attacks on, on innocent citizens being carried out by our own by by the, our own state or by the government. So he's quite an interesting guy to look into. I think his website is lightonconspiracies.com or light on—it's definitely light on conspiracy Light on conspiracies. Very interesting, very credible researcher. Uh, I've, I, I have done a little bit of work for Oli Dan and he's, yeah, I think he's someone that, that that's probably well worth looking at. He certainly helped me through the false flag terror stuff. That was really, uh, really exciting when I first started learning that everything was not quite how it seemed. Sharon, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I've, I've stolen loads of it. I'm so sorry. But thank you for, for for what you've given to us. It's been really, really wonderful. I'm going to ask you in a second to let us know how we can, how we can find you, how we can stay in touch or if we can follow you on social media, maybe something like that. And all that kind of is left to say is you've left me with two things. One is your quote from about Boris. You invite Boris to your party, <laughs> he'll be the life and soul of your party. But for goodness sake, <laughs> don't take your eyes off your daughters. I like that. And the other thing... <laughs> the, the, that's true, the, it's, that is true.
1: The, There's literally
0: hundreds of people that say that. I can well believe it. It fits. It fits. And the other thing that's slightly more, <laughs> uh, slightly more, on a slightly more serious note, is we've never lived in a democracy. We've never lived in it. It's a bit, those two comments are a bit like the theatre masks, the happy and the sad, the comedy, the tragedy. We've got the comedy of Boris, keep your daughters away from him, but he's a good laugh at the party. And then we've got the tragedy, the the realisation that perhaps we have never lived in a democracy. Thank you for your time. And please, can you let us know where, where to find you?
1: Um, actually, I keep off social media now, to be perfectly honest. Um, good for you! <laughs> You're a champion! <laughs> so, so the, main, the main place that I, you find me is I'm admin on James Dellingpole's chat now. So anyone that's on the James Dellingpole channel, that's a really good channel. I'm the main admin there. So, yeah. But, but actually, I don't have anything to do these days because we used to get trolled quite a lot and we don't now. So, yeah. So, but it's a great place to go for like, like-minded people. Um, and it's quite, it's quite surprising how like-minded people are there because you you do sort of go through life thinking when you're awake, you think, well, I'm just weird now. And everyone else just, all my neighbours think I'm crazy. And most people just think I'm utterly crazy. And then you're completely normal when you go into that. So, yeah. so.
0: There you go. I get, felt- o- get over onto Telegram, and that's uh, the James Dellingpole channel on Telegram. Before I love you and leave you, just a reminder: rescue your children. SarahPlumley dot Sarah Plumley. Plum. You are, you can spell plum, hopefully. P-L-U-M and then L-E-Y, sarahplumlee.com forward slash rescue hyphen your hyphen children. I've got a little section up there explaining to you what you need to rescue your children from and how we're going to do it. I've got a three-night webinar in August. That's Thursday the 4th, Friday the 5th, and Saturday the 6th of August. I'll be there from 8 p.m., for those three nights, and I'm going to take you through the state of state education, the state of home education, because some of those, that's not brilliant either. You don't want to jump out of the frying pan literally straight into the fire. Let me help you avoid that. And then I'm going to introduce you to my solution to this problem, Gorilla, which is what I call Gorilla Ed, Gorilla Education. So that's the fourth, fifth, sixth of August. You can sign up, it's free. You can find that either at saraplumley.substack.com or saraplumley.com forward slash rescue hyphen your hyphen children. Thank you very much indeed, Sharon. I cannot wait to do this again sometime.
1: (laughs) No problem, anytime. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumlee.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination.